metronome. Okay, I turned it off. I don't know if y'all can hear that, but there is a metronome that comes on on out of... Wait, what? Garage band? Um, <laughs> that I always forget to turn off. Wait, so, wait, are we still recording? We're still recording. <laughs> well, welcome back to This Is Not... A History. Lecture. Lecture. And today, I am in a fantastic mood. Cat. I'm in a good mood. Really? Yeah. She wasn't like 20 seconds ago. I told you last time. It's like a switch. You just gotta... Bloop. Well... I'm glad you're in a good mood now because I'm in a good mood. Which I wasn't is rare. in a bad mood. I was just exasperated from awful museum experiences today. See, the problem is I work, you know, I work my my museum job and I don't have to like regulate people for the most part. You know, someone's yeah. like running through the museum that yeah. I have to say, hey, stop. But you were like in charge there. Like, Oof, you're no. the only one. Yeah. And I just am like, mm, someone else will deal with that. But Kat's like, no, I'm the one who has to deal with it. It's on me. <sighs> but it's fine. But yeah, other than that, it's been a crazy week, I guess. Um, <laughs> you guess. I don't know. A lot's happened. A lot hasn't happened. I got to see a very good friend of mine again after literally not seeing him for two years because he was out in California. So yeah, but now he lives in Houston. It's like Kaylee's Kaylee's domain. Um, but- yeah, what's weird? Okay, this is weird. But I like to I don't know creep on people on Snap Map because mm-hmm. why not? I'm bored. And um, I saw him. The reason why I noticed he was in Houston is because my mom was at my great grandparents' house, mm-hmm. the one that they lived in for 50 years, and that I grew up going to. And she was over there, and he was like his fiance was over there. Oh, your mo- your mother. My was- mom was over at my great grandparents' yeah. house. And I noticed his, like, little bitmoji mm-hmm. super close to my mom. And I was like, that's weird. Why is Austin by my mom? And then <laughs> he, like, zoomed in. And apparently his girlfriend, who I think he's staying with, like, lives down the street from my well, great-grandparents' And her house. grandparents live only a few neighborhoods over from my which family. Which insane. is Texas is small guy. It's weird. If you don't come from Texas, you'll yeah. never understand. You know no one and you know everyone. Everyone. Everyone knows someone. And, and it's, like, all generational families. So even if you don't know someone in that town, your grandma knows someone in that town. Yeah. Or, like, your sister who went to school there has, like, a friend you could stay with or something. Like, Texas yeah. is weird like that. Well, like, see, my fa- all of my family is in Houston. Every single one of them. Yeah. Except for I have, like, some weird, like, third cousins who live in Arizona. But they were actually in town this mm-hmm. past week. Because mm. apparently they like to come all the way from Arizona to Galveston. And I'm like, California is literally closer. Why would you like come to Galveston? And they like do it regularly. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's Galveston. At least go down to Corpus or I something. I know. I was about to say, like, the water might still be gray, but it's better than gray, green, yeah. and brown. And like, it's not because there's family in town, because we hardly ever see them when they come. Mm-hmm. Most of the times they come and they we don't even see them. So it's not because they're visiting family. Iconic. <sighs> anyway. Well... I don't know. I've had a good day. I woke up. I finished notes. I went to work. Noise. And yeah. Yeah. Pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a themed episode. <laughs> you don't have anything else to say? Well, n- no. I mean, they're not going to be interested in my everyday habits. Well, I am. Why don't you tell me? I mean, you already know most of my everyday habits. No, I don't. Kat's always doing stuff, y'all. 
I come home last or wait no I didn't come home I texted mm-hmm. her last night I was like hey I need to grab something from like the mic setup bag and she was like oh cool I just got home and I was like where the hell were you it was 10 30 on a Saturday I was like I'm at home I don't do shit on Saturdays except drink alone <laughs> that's also it we are drinking today while we record and I'm not I'm to- high on life Oh, I thought and you had vodka a lot in there of water, again. water. No, I literally came into your house and filled this up. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Last week you had a pretty good setup going with the Sonic drink, so I did. But like I said, I'm high on life. Um, it's been a good day. Hmm. Uh, this is me when I'm in a good mood, which is uh, I know you don't get a lot. Well, I mean, I was just thinking in response to the Who declaration of about how women of childbearing age shouldn't be drinking at all, I listen, would have a hard lemonade. <laughs> listen, I I handled that last night, okay? If, and if, I probably will handle it again this night. If alcohol was a form of birth control, I would be drinking so much. If alcohol was a form of birth control, I would never get pregnant in my life. <laughs> I would be. I would actually consistently barren. drink. If that I would was... just be barren by now. I, you know what? Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> she knows. She knows I drink a lot. So, Whenever I come home, she's like, hey, "You drink a lot." <laughs> I don't, but I think my parents are very well aware that I'm either going to need to adopt my children or not have any. So, well, you have other things going on. Yeah. So yeah, physical health might not allow it. So. Yeah, you like literally like your bones are falling apart. So. <laughs> So, like, it's probably not the best idea for you to have a baby to begin with. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I am A-OK. I feel like that would just, like, dislocate your hips and you would never be able no, to No, that's actually... Together. They were again. like... Like Humpty Dumpty. I can barely walk some days with my hips. Imagine my... Lord. Imagine my birth canal widening and my hips just cracking every step I take. <laughs> can you just, you just walk, like... Wide steps for the rest of your life. Oh my gosh, you know that TikTok trend where it's like a waddle, but your feet are turned out? It would just be that. Yeah. Coming down the street, like... <laughs> With her, like, gaggle of children. Everyone would just run away from me. I'd yeah. look like some hey, dimension. You get through that first child, and you never have to have, like, labor again. They just walk out. Your hips are already, like, divided. You don't have to go through all of that stuff. Like, what do you mean dilated? I'm just... Like, just leave. Permanently ready? <laughs> why i know neither of us are having children anytime i hope to god not can you imagine me with my work in i mean either of us with work in school getting pregnant right now absolutely not i have mad respect for the ladies that know that they want kids in a family this young like go do it like congrats i'm so happy for you but me like i if i got pregnant right now i would not know what to do with myself I don't know either. Also, I'd be some immaculate conception. <laughs> I know, I was going to say, for you and I both, there'd be a lot of steps in between that we just, like, would skip over somehow. <laughs> but in retribution for who's misogynistic and assumptive um, announcement that all women's sole purpose is to provide the optimal womb for childbearing, um, I am drinking today. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um... I'm not drinking right now, but as I've made clear, I will be drinking later. Um, it's fair, you know, Sunday night. <laughs> it's the summertime. I don't got anything going on. So, are you working in the morning? I'm working tomorrow afternoon. I'm pretty oh, sure you got time to. Yeah, I that. know. That's the problem with working. I, I like have been only been working in the afternoons, and that's the problem with that because then I'm like, well, I don't have to be awake until like. 1 p.m. <laughs> Technically. I think, I, have to cl- I think we have more outdoor cleaning tomorrow in jeans, and it's going to be like 100 Yikes. degrees. I am not prepared to die that way. I'm so sorry for you. 
Because when I go outside for my job, in the same place Kat goes outside, in the village, I just get to sit there. And people sometimes talk to me. <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah. Um, and I don't have work until 3 p.m. tomorrow. That's so nice. I'm probably going to be playing Minecraft until like 4 o'clock in the morning. Also valid. Uh, which is what I did the other day. But then I had work at 12 and that was a bad move. <laughs> also valid. <laughs> well, I think we've rambled enough. Yeah. So yeah. as Kat said, this is a themed episode. And for some reason... We're doing volcanic explosions. Yeah, I don't know. I think Kat just really wanted to do Pompeii. I did. And I've I been wanting like, to do that oh, for a while. Oh, I could do Mount St. Helens. And here we are. <laughs> so, volcanoes. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. Just, okay. I need to say this before I forget. Mount St. Helens, yes, is the most significant eruption in U.S. history. And it's modern. And I picked it for those reasons because it's in America and it's modern. And those mm-hmm. are two things that people think volca- volcanoes aren't. Um and there is the really big Mount Tempura eruption, Tem- uh, Tambora, Tambora eruption um, that happened in like 1815, something like that. Ooh. That like basically like plunged the year, the world into like a year long winter. Like it was crazy. I've heard about that. Yes. So I know that that's there because we wanted to do like an ancient one and a modern one. Mm-hmm. Um I will get to that eventually, but I thought Mount St. Helens was cool to do now Where because is it's that so located? modern. I should have written it down. I just put the name of the... Let's see. Time to Google. Indonesia. Oh. And that has been, like, the biggest eruption in, like, modern... if you Like, technically modern history, mm-hmm. which modern history is, starts around, like, what, 1700? Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. If we're being technical. Well, then you get into, like, postmodern and modern and, like, all the fancy... All the, like, historic, like... Oh, like, the modern history stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, the historic definition of modern starts in, like, the 1700s. If you don't know this... So, modern history by historians is defined as when people start to act and think like modern humans. So, as we do today. And that Mm -hmm. starts roughly around the 1700s. When you see people saying, like, oh in modern history and then it's like about 1850 that's like that's like yeah. why it's that yeah, we're way. not talking like the yeah. 80s here like we're yeah. talking before that exactly i took a class on the history of modern china so that was like oh, cool 1750 and later mm-hmm. so yeah just quick I, that can cool. be confusing and eh, we're here to make things less confusing <laughs> yeah Hopefully. I was about to say, I think at some points I've probably made things more confusing no, than I No, I definitely have. I mean, but... my last episode was like a shit show, so... Hey, we're here to do better. Be best. This is a very straightforward event, so I'm hoping that I redeem myself. I know, right? I was like, <laughs> can I mess up a chronological I know. Uh, event? <laughs> like, there's Tune no way. See. I have like literally not even three full pages. Well, no. I have three and some change pages of notes. So... Yeah. I hope I do Okay. Last, yeah. last, last episode, I was not expecting to have as many notes as I did, but yay. Well, I'm going to start y'all <laughs> off with Pompeii. <laughs> go for it, Kat. Whoop, whoop. So take it back now, y'all. We're going to go about 2,000 years ago, if my math is correct, nice. to southern Italy. Also, I can't do math, and y'all know this. So it's near, like, the front ankle of the boot of Italy. So, like, if you were about to lace up your shoes and you got to, like, the tongue of your, your sneakers, that's kind of where we're talking. So, 79 AD, late summertime, kind of early fall, it's nice and toasty, you know, 
I mean, I feel like it's always just beautiful in Italy. That's probably not true because every oh, it country hot. has its like gross yeah. weather. But like, I yeah. just imagine Italy to be. Beautiful. I mean, I feel like it's beautiful most of the year, but I know it gets hot in the summer. Oh, okay. That's all I know about Italy. <laughs> well, I also know that apparently a lot of European countries don't have air conditioning like we do. Yeah. Because yep. it's like nice no, the rest of the year. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> we, we get a nice suffer. day in Texas once every like three months. I know. I'm like. Ugh don't know yeah like yeah, i get it that it's nice but like i couldn't do those two months i would have to buy the ac for those two months fair you get like a window unit anyway and um, Kat doesn't even turn her ac on when it is i turned it on for you today for to me cool down for me the... not for yourself no I for exactly it's like been in the high 90s here and Kat's like no i'm fine yeah anyway no circulation um <sighs> oh, that's my list of medical maladies anyway so the volcano itself is near the Bay of Naples. Vesuvius is actually part of the Campanian Volcanic Arc. 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 There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that reaches... It kind of runs along where the tectonic plates meet. The, the African and Eurasian plates meet. Mm -hmm. So the city of Pompeii sits beneath the mountain with approximately... Well, I should say approximate, but the... The varied assumption was somewhere between 10,000 to 20,000 people living there at the wow. time. Um, I saw a lot that said 10 to 15, but once at a high estimate, it was kind of 20,000. And as always, no one can agree on anything because history is difficult. So historians <laughs> and archaeologists have uncovered enough to make some pretty good assumptions about what Pompeii was like back then. It's, you know, it's... I'm dying to go because I've heard how well preserved it is, yeah. how this explosion actually... Because of the ash, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so they've uncovered so much and so much detail that they know it was a very nice town that had sort of this almost tourism slash vacation industry going. There were a lot of wealthy and upper class people who would vacation there. But I mean, if you're going to have rich people somewhere, you also need the poor there to work for them. So they would have had like a, you know... A year-round full society going but a lot of rich people did vacation there mm -hmm. um it had a really good infrastructure they had good streets and sidewalks public baths place for gladiators and chariot races like an amphitheater you know um places classic for, greek stuff uh yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> what you would expect nice <laughs> so just like culture places and places for sharing ideas um uh, agoraphobia agro Agrippa. Mm. Agrippa? No. No. What was what it? What does it look like? No, no, no. I'm trying to think of the word for the public space. Agora. Agora. Is it agora? I don't know. Wow, I feel stupid. That's something I should totally know. You said agoraphobia. I know. Well, because I, know. I was thinking of the root word. Anyway. It looks a lot like that. Yeah. Agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. Ag agora. The, the, the Greek agora, right? Agora? Agora? We should just look it up. Probably. <laughs> Um, agoraphobia, a Greek, Greek. It just means public meeting place. I'm looking for that public word. Public meeting place. Oh my god, it would really help if I could type. Agora. Okay, so we were right. Yeah. Okay. Know. Okay. I, I we're totally... not totally. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, back anyway. to it. Um. So they had. Those types of public places for sharing ideas, watching plays. Um, sex work is completely legalized and really common here. And plenty of buildings that were built for that had, like, 
have like erotic art on them and mosaics yeah, they do. that's still preserved and we can still go see it <laughs> that's my shit right there no that's why oh i included God. it i was like kaylee's gonna love this so the area is about five miles away from the actual volcano some scholars estimate that up to twelve thousand. like in so it's not just Pompeii sitting underneath Vesuvius yeah. is the problem. There's lots of little cities. So mm-hmm. they sense. had trouble kind of figuring out exactly how many people were there at the time of the explosion. But people immediately around the area were pretty used to the effects of living near a volcano, even if they didn't necessarily realize what they were living in front of. So, you know, there's little earthquakes along the place. It's kind of like in California, how yeah. it's just kind of like a fabric of everyday mm-hmm. life. You, you're ready for those little shocks every once in a while. And yeah. You just hope you don't get a big one. Mm-hmm. But a little bit over, I think it was 17, 17 years before this big eruption of Vesuvius, there was like this big, significant rumble that was probably hmm. a pre-warning kind of Something shock. stirring. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't hinder new tourists or vacationers from coming, so there's just more and more people settling in the area. And also, being a volcano meant that the soil around it was volcanic soil. Very fertile. Which is great for mm-hmm. plants, especially grapes. Because who doesn't love wine? And because it also meant <laughs> they didn't olives? have to... Olives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it means you don't have to irrigate as much. You don't yeah. have to do artificial irrigation because it's so porous and it holds the water for the plants. So... That kind of comes into play with my stuff, too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and even about four days before this big final explosion, there were lots of little ones. Like, continuous. Yeah. They, they were noted that, like, mm-hmm. oh, oh. Lots of little earthquakes. What's, What's going funny on? is like mine is so well documented, right? Because it's literally 1980, and Catch is like, oh, a few days somewhere that like, oh, it kind of started rumbling, but no one really cared. <laughs> so I'll mention it, yeah, later. But there was a firsthand account by Pliny the Younger. Nice. And um, he gives an eyewitness account of what was happening. He was there with his, I believe it was his uncle Pliny the Older. I'm hoping nice. I said not Pliny. I think it's Pliny, right? I don't know anything about Greek. Sounds good to me. I feel like I read these names. I've had them said to me before. But um, when the eruption started, his uncle, like, went back on a boat to, like, try and get people out of Pompeii. Yeah, that's good. And that's nice died one. doing it. Ooh. Yeah. That sucks. Apparently, I mean, it is a volcano eruption. So well, like, like, apparently it was weird because he was with a bunch of people on the ship, the older his uncle was. And then they got back down towards the water in the, like, air, the... You know, there's so much gas and yeah. weird air patterns mm-hmm. around a volcano. They couldn't take off as easily or something. And, you know, they're, like, running around with pillows on their head to try and stop the pumice from, like, the falling yeah. stone from, like, killing them. Killing them, yeah. And um, apparently he just... It, the the people who were with him came back and gave Pliny the Younger an account that his uncle basically just, like, collapsed and couldn't breathe. Mm. Which a lot of people did die from, like, I mean, there's a ton of carbon... Inhalation. Yeah, yeah. CO2 that gets released into the air, ash, gases. Yeah, you can't breathe that shit in. That's yeah. not good for you. But everyone around him made it out, was able huh. to retreat. So some people think he might have had, like, a heart attack say, from the stress of it or, or something Or maybe he else. had, like, asthma or something and, yeah. it, like, shut his lungs down. Yeah, so yeah. Pliny the Older didn't make it out, but Pliny the Younger did and oh. wrote to Tacitus, who we have talked about in nice. class before, and gave... Who's, Tacitus is a historian and um, gave him his firsthand account. So, like, we do have one kind of decent understanding of what happened. Mm -hmm. 
but again, it's kind of subjective. He probably wasn't like, ah, oh, yes, I've checked my watch, my sundial watch. I know. And right? it is exactly 2.35. Yeah. And there's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, mine is like, at 8.32 a.m. <laughs> yeah. We don't have that for this. So to understand what's happened in a little bit, I'm going to do some volcano background here. Um, if I'm going to double up on anything you're going to say. Kaylee, I don't think so. I didn't go much into the science. So okay. I'm not going to go deep. Yeah. Volcanoes have always interested me because, like, a, I have never seen one. B, it's not a real danger for me here in Texas. Like, I don't actually yeah. have to worry about that, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, except for there is one in Yellowstone or something that's, like, expected to erupt at any time. And it will plummet, yeah, like, all of that. North America under an ash cloud that could, like, um, wipe yeah. out half of America. Let's go. End of days. I'm, I mean, even down in Texas, honestly, we probably still wouldn't get the worst of it. Honestly, I'm ready for something like that to happen. Like, let's just, like, yeah, there's a pandemic and everyone's like, oh, the world is ending. But, like, let's just make it really obvious that, that the, the world, world is, is ending. ending. <laughs> and what is more obvious than a literal volcano eruption that plunges the world into darkness? Like, you know, I... Let's go for it. I want something like that to happen. You know, I think at one point I said I'm tired of historic events happening in my life. No, I want them all. Let's get, (laughs) like, let's get that, you know, earthquake that's supposed to happen to Seattle and, like, destroy everything over there. Let's make that happen. Isn't California supposed to, like, break off into the ocean at some point? (laughs) Yeah, like, let's get, like, like, let's do all of this stuff. Florida, bye. Like, Mm. (laughs) of course I don't want anyone to get injured, ideally. But, like... I mean, Texas is probably going to catch on fire. And if, like, mar lago like, broke off into the ocean, I wouldn't be <laughs> Just upset mar- about it. It's one big sinkhole around mar lago <laughs> I can't say I would be that upset about it. But yeah, as long as no one's in mar lago well... As long as only one person yeah. is in mar lago <laughs> Damn, we're going to get, like, censored. Yeah, we don't live in a censorship. Well, we do. We live we in do. a Did you see that Joe Biden declared yes. anti-capitalism yes. as, like, terrorist? I... <laughs> Guess what, Kat? I'm a terrorist. <laughs> uh, there's a... I don't think he realizes how many people of our generation are anti-capitalist. Well, he's, like, you know, a classic liberal, like, neoliberal politician. So, like... Anyway. Anyway. Uh-huh. Again, um... Yes, volcanic backgrounds. Yeah. So since I don't have to worry about this, I love learning about this in school. Or I don't have to worry about this. I learned, I love learning about it. Anyway, yes. Yes. So when a volcano erupts, there's quite a bit going on. But, you know, obviously there's the gases and all this stuff just builds and builds and builds until boom. But sometimes during an eruption, the eruptive column inside a volcano can collapse. So, like, oh. there's so much pressure on it. That you can either collapse the whole column, you can have, like, small holes, like, coming out of the mountain. Not at the Mm -hmm. top, but, like, along the edges. Or you can accidentally cave in a whole side of the volcano. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so much crazy stuff that can happen. I think that's a lot of the risk and variables is that... Yeah. Because I think in Mount St. Helens, they lost a side of the volcano, didn't Uh they? Like, it blew out. Yeah, I'll talk talk about that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, and it can be caused by, you know, a subduction of a plate where one slate one plate slides under the other and then it just kind of like snaps itself straight again. Mm-hmm. It can be pressure. It can be gases. It can yeah. be so many things. But when that column inside of a volcano collapses, a lot of that ash and debris material kind of gets caught in a flow, like mm-hmm. the lava and, or whatever is flowing out. Yeah. And it just takes off down the mountain. Essentially yep. it's an avalanche. It's called yeah. a pyroclastic flow. Yep. That's what happened. I mean, we're yeah. both, both doing volcano eruptions. So yeah. Of course, the same thing is going to happen with mine. Well, I mean, but like, it's interesting, yeah. though, because, like, 
pyroclastic flows get so hot that they essentially burn and pulverize whatever's in front of them anyway, mm -hmm. but they're moving so fast that they also can tear out anything. So, like, if it wasn't yeah. going to be the speed of it, it's the heat of it. Yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're in the way like, of one of these, you are... You're dead. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. And there's a whole different thing. It didn't happen in Pompeii that I know of, um, unless there was a nearby river that had it or something. But um, when all that ash and that pyroclastic flow gets mixed with water and you hit like a river or something, it's called a lahar, L-A-H-A-R. Mm. I can see that. Yeah. It moves even faster uh -huh. and quicker. And it's just like, which is weird. Cause you're, a river you're like, oh, of the heat. a volcano. You're yeah. Like, oh, the heat, it should slow it down. No, no, yeah. it just makes it faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Volcanoes, it's not even necessarily the eruption you have to worry about. It's the aftermath of what yeah. comes down the mountain with mm -hmm. it. So in the case of Vesuvius, there's two main parts. The first blast that sent the pumice... Pum, pum, pum. Pumice? You said it right. I said it right. I don't know why you doubted My yourself. My whole brain just, was just like <laughs> thinking about the pumice uh, stones you use on like the masseuses like you use on your feet. feet. Yeah. I've never had one oh, used mom, because I feel like, like I'd scream. Oh yeah. My mom has like really bad problems with like dry skin around her heels mm -hmm. and so she's always had one and i've never used it myself because i just feel like it tickles so much <laughs> right well that and it's like i want to build my calluses for like ballet and dance and stuff i don't yeah. want to move that i mm -hmm. don't want to get rid of that especially when i used to do guard and you would dance on the tarps you wanted calluses yeah that's you, true like mm -hmm. yeah but ugh, that visual imagery i think of I, it's just like, so ugh, like so violent i know right so it's aggressive. like a cheese grater <laughs> right you okay um so yeah, the first blast sends all that upwards um, with gas and ashes kind of venting out of the volcano as well. The second is about 17 hours later when the pyroclastic flow comes charging down the mountain. So the first eruption, that gas, mostly the, the kind of the top blowing off of Mount Vesuvius, mm -hmm. is a little after midday on August 24th. And keep in mind, like I said, they've been experiencing kind of foreshocks. I don't yeah. know if there's a technical term for that, but... Yeah. Um, kind of warning pre-shocks and it hadn't caused like significant damage but from the ruins of what of Pompeii now they think that they hadn't even finished repairing all the damage that was done 17 years before in that first earthquake oh wow like they found some stuff that they think was damaged from yeah that. I mean honestly living in places where there's like hurricanes and stuff that are super common yeah it's decades later and you'll still see yeah because it's like if it does, if it's not repaired by a certain point, it's, it's not, not going to be repaired. repaired. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely still some of that, but it throws ash into the sky and this just, this cloud that's so thick that I think the count we all know is that, you know, you can't see the sun, which is, yeah. you hear that a lot about like big explosions like this. Mm -hmm. um, definitely read that reading Jack and Annie Magic Treehouse books as a kid. Oh, um, hell yeah. Magic Treehouse. Absolutely. Yep. And I remember in the book them talking about how they took pillows, like Jack and he got pillows yeah. on their head and kind of ran around to try and stop the debris from falling you know on what? them. It's and so I was like, funny. that is, they, like, that's what Pliny the Elder did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see your source. It's yeah, like... it's like, I, I, Mary Pope Osborne, I see what you're doing. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's so funny is I read a lot of the Magic Tree House books. I could mm -hmm. not name a single thing that happens in any one of them. Twister on Tuesday. I mean, I know tsunami. the title, so yeah. like you can gather what happens in the book, but as far as like details go, I just completely erase that from I remember my the Twister one so well really? because... They talked about like the schoolhouse with the like the chalk slates that they played on and mm -hmm. I remember that they shared a lunch that had like potatoes in it. Like 
I have weird detail memories of those books. And I want to go back and read them. But I can't find my collect. I went home a few weeks ago and I was like, it'll take me 10 minutes to read this oh, book. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. where are they? And I couldn't find them anywhere. And I was Just heartbroken. Go sit in like an elementary school library. I know. No, I'm like, <laughs> I was genuinely upset. I walked downstairs. I was like, mom, where's my Jack and Annie books? And she was like, aren't they upstairs? Like all the Nancy Drew childhood stuff. And I was like, I can't find them. And oh, I no. genuinely wanted to cry. I was oh, like, no. this is why I love history. It's okay. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I don't, listen, I don't know why I love history, but. There's a lot of you. reasons, like, but that Kat was like has, my like first Like I said in the like literal first episode, Kat has like this big history with history. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> I was committed to history till college, but I've always loved it. Yeah. So. See, I didn't even realize I liked it until like junior year of high school. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, this huge ash cloud has been thrown into the sky. No one can see anything. It's time to start panicking. And you can't really have a fight or flight instinct when it comes to a natural disaster. But, like, you can have a shelter in place or flee reaction, you know? Um, Which is a problem. I mean, like, with a hurricane, was it Rita? In up near New York or something like that? It wasn't Uh, that far north. Yeah, Rita was down here. It was was sandy. Sandy was the New York one. Okay. Rita was... was in 2005. It didn't do that much damage. It was Katrina in New Orleans. I remember Katrina. That did a really bad thing. And I then... just can't remember the one where they ordered a mass evacuation, and then it caused more panic and created such a bad like traffic jam that people were stranded on the highway I want to say it. that was probably Rita, because I think was Rita, Rita was right after Katrina, so it was like, re- like everyone, everyone was like, panicked. really panicked. Okay, it was Rita, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's not like you can order a mass evacuation in Pompeii. But yeah. it's that same thing, like fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Am I safer here waiting it out? Or do I need to try to flee? Or will yeah. fleeing and you starting that mass panic create more death and destruction yeah. than just staying? Um, so a lot of people decided to take shelter in their homes. And others tried to escape the city by water or by just, you know, running away from the big boom explosion. You yeah. know, opposite direction. Mm-hmm. The explosion itself throws smoke gas and debris 20 miles into the air um and it balloons out kind of mushrooms out to cover the surrounding areas it doesn't take long at all for the city and many of its citizens to be completely covered in a blanket of ash and pumice and debris some areas that have been excavated had an original nine feet of ash wow like nine feet of ash from pompeii and then the pyroclastic flow added it up to another 9 to 10. Because I, okay, I was going to say, I was like, I know they got, they got buried in the ash, and that's how it's so well-preserved. Mm-hmm. But, like, what kept it from being disturbed? So it was, like, covered it's, by... It was covered. Like, it looked you. like flat land from that what I can see. That makes sense. It was, wow. Yeah, that's you've crazy. Because you got nine, nine layers, nine feet of ash, and then up to 10 of a pyroclastic yeah. flow just sitting on top of it. Okay, that you makes sense why I was so well to find pre- it. preserved. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like... It was a city. Like, it should have been on the surface. Like, why are we digging? I know. It's like, who didn't have a map or what? Yeah. I guess if it was in, like, you know, like a basin or like a, like a. Kind of. Yeah. Like, there's just. Valley between mountains. Well, and if you think about a pyroclastic flow that big. Yeah. It would be like smearing peanut butter over a piece of bread. It fills in the little holes Mm -hmm. in your bread. You know, it smooths over them and you wouldn't think about what's beneath your peanut butter. That's true. Yeah. That's a really weird example. I'm sorry to anyone. If anyone was offended by... (laughs) Offended? I thought that was very good. Okay. I didn't know if anyone would be like, oh my gosh, I have a great, 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 great million great grandfather who died in Pompeii. I'd feel really bad. But, you know. I think people have gotten over it. You know what? You're right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're you're right. I think it's been long enough. (laughs) Yeah. So, ash itself is light 
but so is snow. And what happens when you pile too much snow on a rooftop? It collapses. Yeah. So it accumulates these nine feet of ashes just accumulating all over the city and structures are starting to collapse with people in them. So someone did the math. I don't know if it's completely correct. I found it on a website and I was not about to try and replicate the math myself, but it would have been the equivalent of 20, no, 250,000 elephants falling per second on Pompeii. Like the weight of the debris that is falling on them. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. It's, give it a few more hours and the sky is still so dark that their concept of time is probably pretty warped. Like if I hadn't seen the sun for the last half of the day, I wouldn't know what time it was. And throughout the night, there would be four more kind of like almost surges or shocks where you get more stuff thrown into the air Mm -hmm. and more just falling on them. By the next morning, August 25th, the pyroclastic flow has reached Pompeii. It's coming out the side of the mountain and it is a burning hot just mixture of rock, gas, ash, and it's sliding towards the town. The debris they're picking up, you know, the yeah. pyroclastic, it's, it's picking up debris from yeah. the town and mm-hmm. the mountain as it goes. And it's moving what they think was anywhere from 150 to 200 miles an hour. Wow. Coming straight at this town. And it's not like, a car hitting a building at 200 miles no. an hour it's an endless yeah. river of just molten everything yeah you're dead mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it burns everything it's coming into contact with and it takes a few hours for all of this to happen but by 7 a.m the next morning it's covering pompeii and that's like i said another nine to ten feet yeah. of debris just sitting on top of this town mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons where you have i mean if you I'm sure most people listening to this podcast have heard of Pompeii and seen the pictures of, like, the bodies. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't necessarily have a skeleton or anything like that, but you have the casts of the bodies. And, I mean, it's going to... the yeah, it kind of forms, gonna, like, a mold around, around the, the person. Yeah. And so even after the skeleton decomposes and biodegrades, mm-hmm. like, you have you an still imprint. still have that, yeah, yeah. And that's part it's of like what... a negative. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of how we know that some people you know, were laying in their bed or they were moving when it hit them. Or in some cases, bodies can contract under heat. Um, like muscles will contract. This hmm. is a gross comparison, um, a slight warning. But if you cook meat in a pan, you know that it kind of contracts. Mm-hmm. And that's what our muscles do sometimes. You're being, yeah, yeah, while you're being cooked. Yeah. yeah. So some of them, they look kind of, the, the body molds that we have are kind of, they look contracted like the arms almost look like they're spasming and stuff Uh that's part of the reason because this flow just hit these people while they were still alive Mm -hmm. those who could escape the piles of ash or their homes held up were gonna get hit with this monstrous flow of just everything so again it's really hard in a situation like this to estimate death tolls because we don't know originally how many people were in this town Mm -hmm. we don't know what percentage of the cast's survived versus fell apart versus what that represents versus what kind of people Mm -hmm. it's almost impossible but the best guesses we have are that about 15 percent of the population died around 2,000 people wow some research suggests that um there's like this new study i should say um newer research that instead of being necessarily buried by debris and lava in that pyroclastic flow that most of them could have died when that first big layer of gas and ash covered the area basically choking them and causing asphyxia 
yeah like plenty mm-hmm. the elder seem to have experience yeah. because mm-hmm. that makes sense like i can't even imagine how much co2 and like yeah and like the gases to just yeah. try to breathe that in mm-hmm. and the fact that it's not dispersing no matter how much wind is mm-hmm. in the area it's not going to blow away all that gas yeah um and it would have taken as little as 15 minutes for this cloud of gas to completely cover the town yeah so that's what happens well I'm, i'll get to it but like a lot of the bodies they've been able to recover from st helens mm-hmm. um that has been the same case. Most of them that they're able to do autopsies on, they died from asphyxia. They might have been buried by the pyroplastic right. flow, but mm-hmm. like it's they died before that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's weird because like we have these casts of bodies that were obviously still in in movement when yeah. they were buried, like or were trying to scramble to mm-hmm. the top of the flow or get to the top of a building or something like that. Like we have suspended movement obviously in some of these bodies, Mm -hmm. but others, it seems almost like that they were laying on the floor and the muscles in their bodies contracted as they got hotter, you know? So you can assume that some were dead. And of course, when you've got tons of ash and debris and pumice Mm -hmm. stone falling from the sky, you probably had some impact in head trauma that killed people too. Mm Um, but yeah, the first, this new study would suggest that a good chunk of them didn't even have a chance after they, after that first gas yeah. kind of just covered the town, which I wouldn't want to choke to death, but I almost feel like that's better than being buried alive in a molten hot river of, I don't know. That's I, a tough both choice. are, both are shitty ways both, to go guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but Pompeii was not the, um, only town that was wiped out though. There was a few smaller ones that are just less known because of, placement or because of population herculaneum i'm hoping i pronounced that correct i've heard of that that's yeah i think that's correct okay i thought so too looking at it i was Mm -hmm. like how else do you pronounce it but it was kind of more of a seaside town resort but it was nearby and it was also abandoned afterwards they probably lost around 300 people um and there were other places like stabia stabia s-t-a-b-i-a-e stabia and aplantis Again, I'm so sorry, guys. My education is so Eurocentric. Even then, well, this, this is, is Italian, like and Greek. I should be able to get this. <laughs> well, Greek, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Herculaneum had a lot less bodies in it um, compared to Pompeii. And at first, archaeologists were like, oh, people managed to escape. This one was right on the water. They were able to get out easier. But the skeletons that they did eventually find were in this kind of vaulted building. And there were about 300 of the, of the like, skeleton wow. imprints. And it was a strip of land that they think would originally been the coastline. Mm. And they think there were about 300 people waiting there for ships that wow. couldn't make it back to get them. Crazy. So they had, you know, and it's weird because you think about how fast that cloud of dust and ash descended on them. Mm-hmm. And then how fast that pyroclastic flow came at them. And you don't think they had time to escape, but people yeah. did. They had time to try and cross the rivers. They mm-hmm. had time to try and get out into sea. Like, it just seems, it's almost like earthquakes. Yeah. Where it's like, it happens so fast. But if you can get under a doorway mm-hmm. or if you can get out of a building before the real shock comes, if you're having an aftershock or foreshock or something, mm-hmm. you know, natural disasters are just so unpredictable. Um but if you're counting these smaller cities together um, in general population, some counts put it as high as 16,000. Wow. Like, Whoa. Pompeii alone estimates at about 2,000. But, like, the higher estimates, I've, I saw one that was 16,000. That's crazy. Um, and from all that, we still only have really one 
account from Plenty the Younger to Tacitus. Yeah. And you'd think, yeah. like, oh, a couple more people would have thought to, no. you know, but no. Yeah. So, um, Vesuvius has obviously, you know, been there since then. It did not disappear with <laughs> yeah. the with the eruption. Yeah. <laughs> but Pompeii itself as a city was so forgotten until 1748. I did read an article that suggests... A archaeologist in the 1500s might have discovered it or seen it or been like, hey, huh. there's a city underneath here and started digging and huh. it's like an explorer. But this account suggests that he might have uncovered some of the erotic imagery and been like, oh, shoot, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably for the best because they would have fucked it up I if mean, they got a hold of it yeah, that early. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and like now there's a triple digit million, like triple million number or something like that put yeah. into restoration of the town because. Mm-hmm. I'll get into that. I'll, I mean, we'll, it's we'll like, you know, literally one of the best preserved things yeah. that we have. Like, exactly. That is like a gold, like, I can't even imagine being an archaeologist and discovering To have that. something so untouched. Like, Cause, like that's even, insane. Even a lot of, like, the Egyptian tombs and stuff. Yeah. They're not untouched anymore, you yeah. know? They're... Well, I mean, they're exposed to the elements and everything, mm-hmm. you know? And they might have been preserved, but it's well, not the same as having and, something. And robbed and, yeah. and Pompeii. It's like frozen in time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... I don't know if that's true. I only saw one account of that first possible archaeologist, but it was 1748 when it was rediscovered by explorers who were looking for artifacts. And they just dug so deep that they were like, um, there's a city under here. Did we know there was a city? (laughs) Uh, Any maps? But to this day, excavations and archaeologists are still working in the area to try to uncover more of the information about it. Like, it's a huge ongoing project. And in 1997, it was made into a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Nice. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, in Texas, we have um, all the missions in San Antonio are yeah. UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Uh-huh. And there are some big ones. But that's like the ultimate, you know. Yeah. It's one of the ultimate, uh, uh, not awards, but like, not delegations. What's the word I'm thinking of? Um, it's one of the ultimate titles you can kind yeah, of get. Yeah, I know um, what you mean. I, I, I don't know the word. but Yeah. yeah. So it's huge. And... The way that the ash fell in layers and may have protected some of the areas from the pyroclastic flow mm-hmm. and the heat mm-hmm. of it itself, they have artwork, like frescoes, mosaics on these wow. buildings. Like, And it's not just, oh, we have a general building. Like, no, we have, like, art. That's crazy. And they've even found, like, food jars and preserved, wow. like, food in them. Wow. Like, loaves of bread, et cetera, et cetera. And there's, <sighs> I'm not sure if it was Pompeii or somewhere else, but someone... I saw some crazy thing. It must have been multiple years ago that they found like a tin or a jar of like beeswax. Oh. And they opened it and beeswax is essentially, no, it was honey. Mm. And honey is like biologically almost immortal. Yeah. Like, so is beeswax. Well, yeah. I guess it's the same properties, but like, yeah. um, essentially like they were like, yeah, there's like a thumbprint in this wow. that we have. Like, that's so And cool. that's so yeah. insane to me. Like, oh my gosh, talk about literally untouched by time. Yeah. Um, but we also know things about their habits because of where we found bodies mm-hmm. or what buildings were used for what, or mm-hmm. like I said, the erotic imagery would be put on brothels. So yeah. like you can tell what parts of town were what, and yeah, it's Ugh. crazy awesome. And I'm I know. so desperately want to go, I don't, you know, cause everyone has this idea of like ancient Greece being like white and clean and, mm-hmm. and you, you know, I think it was, you know, comparatively like clean and yeah. organized and stuff, but like. It was colorful. Yeah. And, like, it, not everything was, like, you know, old mm-hmm. marble columns. Like, no, things were painted. 
Like, yeah. They loved color and culture and all that stuff. And you got to think about how much dust they would have kicked up walking everywhere. Yeah. It's like, this is not a shiny white marble no, place. It's not like it's Yeah. The bathroom, like they had public bathrooms mm-hmm. and everything, like bath houses and everything. But yeah. like, you know, sanitary conditions were not necessarily like plumbing. Well, it is 2000 years ago. So yeah. yeah. Well, and even today, that's a perfect segue. Uh, because <laughs> yes, that was 2000 years ago, but now there is a city there. There are people living there again. Um, it's not the city we n- knew it to be that's being restored and everything, but more than 3 million people live in the cities that surround Mount Vesuvius now. And much like other volcanoes, we're just waiting. It is yeah. a waiting game for it to explode again. Uh-huh. Those 3 million people live within 20 miles of the crater and it hasn't erupted since 1944, which means it's coming. And the eruption could literally come any day. It is considered to be one of the most dangerous um, uh, at-risk explosions because it is the most densely populated volcanic region in the whole world. Yeah. So, like... That's terrifying in and of itself. And my first thought is like, no, we can't lose Pompeii again. But then I was like, at least we know where it is if it gets buried again. But then I'm like, that's a ridiculous amount of people who knowingly take that risk. And I can't say much. Like, we live in hurricane areas. It's interesting because one of the podcasts I listened to just to get, you know, I was trying to see how other people talked about Mount St. Helens because it's like Mm -hmm. not a huge topic. So I was like, how did other podcasts kind of like handle this? And I was listening to one and they talked about, like, it's kind of just human nature to just accept those kind of risks. Right. Like, well, and it's crazy. You know, because, like, they're like, okay, it'll take. happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like we get flu shots, we get vaccines because, yeah. like, we have preventable ways to deal with this, but mm-hmm. we're more than willing to literally live in, like, a known hurricane hazard. Yeah. Or, like, Tornado Alley. Or yeah. It's, it's part of life, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? And I, where else are we going to live? Like, name one place in the world that's not affected by some sort of natural true dangerous well and it's like (laughs) it is i mean they have a system like if they start getting seismic activity yeah in the volcano they can evacuate the area they have a system there's so much more than like oh it was kind of smoking the other day and it's like we're not gonna worry about that (laughs) well the soothsayer lady says we're all in danger we need to we'll we'll brush her off you know we have the technology now it's like the episode of avatar yes (laughs) well and if you think about it too like there are volcanoes in like Hawaii that have been erupting for a hot minute. Yeah. <laughs> that was not an intended pun. Um, <laughs> but like they're consistently erupting, yeah. erupting or they like, it's just part of what you do. You accept yeah, that. Just risk. Part of life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Pompeii. That was Vesuvius. really good. Thank that was you. a good one, Kat. Thank, Thank you, you for that. Um, hopefully mine is pretty good too. I'm okay. So like I, did a project on Mount St. Helens when I was in like elementary school, like third grade. So I don't remember anything. Well, I need you to, you could help me out a little bit if you do remember stuff. Oh, dang. I was going to say that uh, you can reteach me. (laughs) Well, hopefully I will. Oh, I will reteach you some things. So the eruption of Mount St. Helens, May 18th, 1980, Mount St. Helens erupts at 8.32 AM Pacific time, becoming the most deadly and damaging volcanic eruption in United States history. So <clears throat> that's what happens, right? So Mount St. Helens called Luwalaklo or Smoking Mountains by natives is a volcano that is located in the Cascade Mountain Range. 
Um, the Cascade Mountains are a range that extends from British Columbia down to Northern California mm-hmm. and form a portion of the Ring of Fire, if you know what that is. And uh, it basically circles... Down, down, down. <laughs> I always wondered if he was thinking about the actual Ring of Fire. I or... think he, I think it's literally written as... Is me? Uh, as the Ring of Fire, as nice. in like the volcanoes. Yeah, so the Ring of Fire is basically... I forget what tectonic plate, but the tectonic plate that is the Pacific Ocean... Um, it, it's like a, a ring that surrounds this tectonic plate that also surrounds the Pacific ocean. That is like high volcanic activity. And it's all down the West coast of America into the West coast of central and South America, all the way as far as like, uh, New Zealand, places like that. And it's just like a big circle surrounding the Pacific ocean. So the specific location of Mount St. Helens is uh, southwest Washington state, not too far from Mount Rainier. Uh, The Cascade Mountains began their formation around 275,000 years ago, but Mount St. Helens was still being formed within the last 3,000 years. Whoa. Specifically the top part of it. And I think just because there was so a series of, you know, smaller eruptions that just kind of put layer on top of layer of sediment. So it was still being formed within the last 3,000 years. So that's like really interesting. Um, and that is, like I said, the kind of the portion above the volcanic floor. Um, yeah. So this is a lot. Okay. I'm looking at the like layout of the tectonic plates in the area. And it's a <laughs> yeah. lot of them like all converging around. One. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So the, so Mount St. Helens is the most active volcano in the Cascade Range, but it's not the only volcano in the Cascades. Um, most notably is Mount Rainier is a volcano. Wait, and is it really? Yeah. And if it would erupt, it would be, it's like huge. Yeah. I didn't. Okay. Maybe yeah. I'm just an idiot for not realizing that was a, no, I didn't realize like either. active volcano. Uh, they're waiting for it to erupt. It's not active. It's been dormant for a long time, but it could, it has the potential. It's uh, like not dead. Like I assumed it was like a completely no like volcano. Like if yeah. anything, that it wasn't. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, I know. Seriously. Yeah. I know because I was listening, and they mentioned that in the podcast I was listening to, and I didn't realize that either. I was like, oh shit! Like damn. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, activity from Mount Saint Helens is dated back to um, for forty thousand years ago. Those are when I we have our first like ash deposits from Mount Saint Helens in the area, uh, and activity periods for Mount St. Helens are separated into nine different eruptive periods. Um, all of these kind of follow a trend of both. Uh, it kind of cycles back and forth as a lot of volcanoes do, but you can really see this activity with Mount St. Helens. So it kind of, it'll have short bouts of activity followed by relatively long periods of dormancy. Um, and in the past, uh, that dormancy period has ranged anywhere from hundreds to thousands of years. Yes. Um, the Ring of Fire surrounds several tectonic plates, including the Pacific Plate and the smaller Philippine, Juan de Fuca, Cocos, and Nazca Plates. Nice. Just so. Nice. I know there's like a few big plates, but I know there's a lot of smaller Well, I know ones the Pacific too. Plate is huge. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. the smaller ones are like the other ones and yeah. stuff. But yeah. Okay. I just want to throw that out there because yeah. my Googling was fine. I'm not a helpful. geologist. <laughs> I appreciate Neither that. Neither of us are. <laughs> so, as I said, so like in the past, this kind of 
eruptive periods will, you know, it'll have an activity period and then it'll have a dormancy period. And those dormancy periods will last anywhere from hundreds of thousands of years. However, within the last 3,000 years, the periods of dormancy have shortened from a max of max length of about thousands of years to only 700 years between explosions. Oh, that's worse. So it's getting more active. Um, so instead of having, you know, hundreds to thousands of years, now it's maybe like 100 to 500 years between activity periods. So interesting, right? <laughs> I was actually watching a Disney movie with volcanoes in it just as I was doing my notes for this because I was like, let's do this. What? Moana? It's racist. I don't want to talk about it. Racist? I was watching Fantasia. Oh. I wanted oh, to sound... like Songbird is so... Oh, no, not Firebird. No, oh, I was Firebird. listening to the new one from the 97. I was listening to the, watching oh. the OG. Oh. I'm really sorry, guys. I'm going to confess this now. I grew up watching that not realizing how ridiculously racist it is. I um, I am aware did. now. Yeah. And I am very sorry, and I do not take any of those stereotypes to heart, but something about Igor Stravinsky's ballet set to the creation of dinosaurs and volcanoes is extremely <laughs> satisfying. And I will admit, I went back and I watched that scene because I love the music and I love dinosaurs, and I apologize if that offends <laughs> anyone, but I watched that while I did my notes. Uh, well, I was thinking of Firebird from, from, the, from the second second Fantasia. Fantasia. I think it was 97. Which is like yeah. the only one I had ever seen. And then I saw like the first one like one time. Um, the newer ones, like if you're a kid and you're like not invested in the music, it's better because it also has like Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah. And it has like, yeah. the animation's it's, a little more my like tier. elementary Yeah, my elementary teacher music, or my elementary music teacher showed us Firebird. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And then he showed us Rhapsody in Blue. I was like, whoa, this is so I think that's so where I got cool. hooked on ballet, is <laughs> yeah. originally just watching this. And yeah. I was like, dinosaurs. And then someone explained to me that it's actually a ballet about, like, pagan, like, sacrifices. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I, I started, remember, like, a riot. I, wow. No, it was so bad that everyone, like, not bad, but it was, like, pointed, and not pointed feet. And it was so jarring. And the dancers were, like, not what ballet dancers are supposed to be. And, like, all Scandal. the high class people in the ballet theater and the in the theater Ugh. that day were, like, like basically threw a riot over it. That's ridiculous and dramatic from them. I mean, it is a pretty intense <laughs> piece of music. But anyway, yeah. back to our regularly scheduled programming. My apologize yeah. for watching a racist movie, guys. But dang, those dinosaurs get me every time. I honestly don't know what you're talking about. Um, they set Igor Stravinsky's Red yeah. Spring to the yeah. creation, like which is huge for the time because it acknowledged the scientific yeah. method of creation and it follows from like the universe collapsing oh. to creating the first fish on land and then dinosaurs the and hell? then like the climax that like like big music is when like the asteroids hitting the earth and the dinosaurs are See, dying that stuff i don't like that because you ever watch that movie dinosaurs when you were little unfortunately i did have you that ever seen land before time traumatic no land before time was more <laughs> land before time was rough but dinosaurs for whatever reason i think because they really animated them to have like very emotional faces they did but i was like oh, these dinosaurs are dying so like ever since then i like haven't been able to handle like very much about when the dinosaurs died like Don't i, watch I, I can't do it yeah well it's like you get to watch the t-rex like kill another dinosaur and you're like i don't like that i don't like that it stresses me out i don't know why that watch that (laughs) anyway Um, sorry guys i derailed y'all in a conversation about disney's fantasia uh yeah so before the eruption of 1980 the most recent significant uh eruptions was a series of small smaller eruptions between 1800 and 1857 
um, that formed, most notably it formed a lava dome called Goat's Rock, which has since been covered Mm. by the 1980 uh, eruption. I tried to look it up. And I was like, what is this? I was like, there's like so many weird pictures of Mount St. Helens. I was oh. like, it's 1980. Like you have photography. Straight up going to start Googling can't you, pictures like, right now. Like, why can't, like, what is happening here? Why can't I find a picture of this? Anyway, uh, so geologists in the mid 20th century did have a suspicion that Mount St. Helens would erupt before the end of the century. Ooh. And this was years before it actually started showing signs of activity. And they were correct. So. March 16th, 1980, uh, we start having the beginning of activities. So we have some slight earthquakes earthquakes beginning, and we have hundreds of steam explosions throughout the mountain called phreatic explosions. Like the vents are, like, yeah. or like the top, like top vents no, are kind of... No, it's like, I guess it's like just minor vents, like, that lead to the surface. Okay. We just have a bunch of steam coming up out of them. Okay. And, you know, we have, uh, before the end of this... Uh, we would have a series it would be thousands of earthquakes and hundreds of these like steam explosions yeah so and it takes it two months to explode to actually erupt so by march 20th so four days later there was a 4.2 magnitude earthquake that shook the area around the volcano and it caused some damage in the form of snow avalanches but it wasn't a big deal but we can definitely tell that activity is picking up no longer are there minor tremors it's like actual earthquakes now so uh to those familiar with the mountain um those who lived around it those who kind of know what it looks like they can in these early days they can kind of see the effects of something stirring under the surface uh on the north facade of the mountain there becomes this kind of like bubble of magma oh i'm saying it would these pictures are cool <laughs> I don't know how you're finding them. I didn't find them. Anyway, I'll, we'll look at that later. <laughs> maybe yeah. we'll tweet about maybe it. Maybe I'm but... just looking at generic steam vents or something. Not oh, yeah, maybe. Not St. Helens. Um, so there's this kind of it, this bubble of magma forms under the surface and kind of protrudes onto the northern facade of the mountain. What? Um, and in the first early days, it grows to 260 feet. And we will not leave this bubble alone because it's real weird. I was like, And this Ooh. is when Mount St. Helens still has its top, right? So it yes. looks like a mountain? Yeah. So okay. it still looks like, you know, okay. it has a peak. It, it's very normal. But you can, something's stirring under the surface. And you can definitely tell something's happening. So March 27th, uh, there was one pretty big explosion that was pretty loud um it spewed ash 6,000 feet into the air and this explosion would continue to spit ash into the air and still have a series of explosions and this series of yeah they're like eruptions but they're very small minor ones comparatively um and it would do that until late april so from march 27th to late april it was continuous activity for almost a month I mean, and I guess the thing is, like, with something like that, it's not like evacuate for a day, let the explosion happen, then go back. That's a whole month. And people aren't going to spend that far away from their homes. Yeah. So, and, like, the first few little explosions were forming craters. So they were, like, eruptions. They're just very small ones. And uh, they actually formed two separate craters that eventually merged into one. Uh, So... this bubble on the northern facade continues to grow from march to april and 
it becomes an approximately mile-wide protrusion <gasps> from the mountain that was moving. It was what? like something was like under the, this freaks what? me out. It was moving up to the top of the northern like the northern facade. So it was like on the mountain, it was like moving six feet a day. Like significant movement. They could track it. And it was just a bubble of magma slowly approaching the top of the mountain. Oh, it's uh, so I don't weird. like that. It was like Ooh, that feels alive. Moving under there. That feels alive. <laughs> Uh, so, like, by late April, authorities began evacuating, and this area is pretty sparsely populated. There's, uh, there's some homes, but they're not, like, it's not like there's a city under there or anything. Um, and the most, the most, like, the most, the biggest reason why people are there is because of farming, because of the volcanic fertile soil. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's also a lot of logging operations that happen there. Actually, I saw that the loggers, so they only worked on weekdays and it erupted on a Sunday, but the loggers would have been there if it had erupted the next day. How many loggers would like hundreds? Hundreds. Oh my gosh. So they missed it by like 24 hours. Yeah. And the odds that two, the two days you have off out of the whole week. Yeah. That's yeah. And, like, uh, there was uh, – the podcast was listening to who kind of talked about it. It was, like, reports from the loggers who were, like – some people were, like, screw it. I need my money, you know? Like, I'll work up here. It's fine. It'll be fine. So I'll they knew there was a risk going on. That yeah. They had, like, yeah. They, they, so they had, like, a red zone, like, a danger zone. Um, and Only which since was, the activity had started up again? Yes. or Yeah. So, okay. the like, activity has been happening since mid-March. Right. Right. So they had like a red zone, like a danger zone, and that's five miles within the peak of, or within the mountain. And then they have like a less dangerous, but still dangerous zone. It's Mm -hmm. like a blue zone, and that's like a bigger surface area. Um, But to go into the blue zone, you could work, you can do all that stuff in the blue zone, but you had to sign a waiver. No one besides like uh, law enforcement or um, researchers could go in the red zone, theoretically. But if you look at the map of the red zone, where there's logging operations, they cut the red zone Just around them. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So those workers were in what would have been the red zone, but since oh. you know, like companies were like, no, we need our logging, blah, blah, blah. They were putting them in a very dangerous situation. Oh my gosh. And there was reports from the loggers being like, like there would be earthquakes so bad that you would have to like put your saw down and like grab onto a tree. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And they were like, we should not be up here. Like, <laughs> yeah. And they were working up to like two days before this erupted. So, crazy. Capitalism as it is finest. Capitalism. Hey, man, we're seeing that. We're seeing that today with our current natural disaster. Um, yeah. yeah. So, like I said, by late April, authorities began evacuating the sparsely populated area in this dangerous zone. Most people left, but of course, because it is America mm-hmm. and people are, are obstinate. Some of them didn't. Uh, they insisted on staying in their homes, and I guess there's nothing you can do about it, yeah. you know? By late April and early May, so there's kind of this period where for a couple of days it kind of calms down, because remember that it has been consistently erupting and spewing ash mm-hmm. since March 27th. So for almost a month, and then it kind of dies down. And then on May 7th, uh, things got real bad real quick. So <laughs> activity picked back up on May 7th, uh, quickly escalating as magma pushed its way up onto the surface causing the mount to, to to causing the mountain to dramatically change shape and grow as much as 5 feet per day whoa the wait mountain like mountains expanding because yeah, of the inward pressure cuz there's so much magma oh my gosh being pushed. so pressure is just 
building. Like it's waiting for something to, and like, it'll be able to explode. Yeah. So, and remember, we still have all these minor tremors happening. We have these phreatic, like vent explosions were happening. This is all happening very consistently throughout the whole thing. So, and there are still people that won't leave the area. <laughs> yeah. So we knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when at this point. After May 7th, it's like literally any day now. So May 18th, in the early hours of the morning, volcan- volcanologist David Johnston reports that there was activity, um, but there was no signs that in just a few hours, the whole thing would explode. There was mm-hmm. like... Yeah, no, it's going to come soon, but there's no reason why it would be today. Is he the one in that really famous photo? He's sitting on a lawn chair next to his RV. He dies. I think that's him. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. He's like, there's a really famous He's like famous the guy photo. that's like closest to... Uh, I yeah. think it's him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was his name? David Johnston. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Keep going. So, again, this is early morning, and like I said, like, yeah, he is. was like, yeah, no, like, it, it could explode, but uh, yeah, it's him. if you I Google it, that famous picture, it's like, yeah, it's this picture. I'd seen it like all over the oh, place. Yeah. That one. Uh-huh. It's like yeah. him sitting next to an RV on a lawn chair. He's I think just it was like, like his last photo. He's of... at like, yeah, he's like at a research center. I think at a certain point he probably realizes I'm not making it out of here. If oh it does yeah. Explode. Well, yeah. even if you think you're kind of like a safe distance back or no. like, there are things also, if I'm not wrong, I don't want to spoil your story that no, like about the way the mountain erupted that yeah. just like one side of it was yes, not yeah. yeah okay so at 8 32 a.m a 5.1 magnitude earthquake hits one mile below the volcano and this is the trigger this is that pressure release mm-hmm. it knocks loose basically the whole top of the mo- volcano and triggers the largest landslide in recent history and this is that pyroclastic flow yeah. so everything on the top of the volcano just plummets into the earth Mm -hmm. so all of that debris everything it just knocks out the whole top and that's all becoming part of this pyroclastic flow combining with lava and just racing Mm -hmm. and it's hit speeds of up to 100 miles per hour so not quite as fast as vesuvius but it sounds like vesuvius was a slightly smaller larger eruption Mm. um but so this what's interesting about this is it's not like your traditional oh the top erupts and like Mm -hmm. has been saying like uh it's called a lateral eruption so the side the whole northern side erupts basically like like right down the north so it's not like your typical like oh when you think of volcano or when you make like the paper mache ones like the cut the top gets cut off yeah it's it's, not just like a straight up into the air yeah the volcano Uh the column in the middle isn't necessarily cylindrical yeah. like so it's like a fan off. almost yeah so you have like your your mountain peak and it's all coming like mm-hmm. <laughs> out of the side of the volcano instead of out of the top so uh this pyroclastic flow um like i said is really why mount st helens has changed its shape so dramatically because it just rips off all that top part of it and if you look at the shape of Mount St. Helens now, it's kind of a horseshoe shape, like a U shape. Yeah. And it's because that it is a lateral eruption. It lost the whole side. Yeah. So it lost, like the side blew out of it. Um, so this pyroclastic flow goes on to fill up the mountain basin with up to 600 feet of debris at some point. 
researchers estimate that the volume of the debris moving with this pyroclastic flow could fill around 1 million Olympic-sized swimming pools. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, it also completely flooded the a lake at the base of this mountain called Spirit Lake, and it traveled down the total river for a total of 13 miles. So, like Kat was saying, it hit the water, and it just mm-hmm. down that river. Um, so, as the top blew off the mountain so now we are having an eruption Mm -hmm. (laughs) so massive lateral explosions along the northern facade of the mountain spew tons of debris rock ash and volcanic gas and steam eventually culminating in one lateral blast that at least reached a velocity of upward of 670 miles per hour Jeez. Yeah, and it covered a 230-mile area north of the volcano and debris. So that one blast oh just, my like... Gosh. It's kind of like how you can get dust storms all the way in, like, yeah. Lubbock and yeah. then get them all in, like, Louisiana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like that African dust cloud that mm-hmm. comes every few years or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the explosion stripped trees off of... Mount St. Helens and surrounding other mountains and hills within six miles and leveled most vegetation within 12 miles of the blast. I was reading the David Johnson thing that said he was about six miles out. Yeah. Yeah. There was a man uh, who died 17 miles away. Oh my gosh. I'm not sure exactly how. Six miles it's like, okay, you're in that danger zone. That said he got lost in like pyroclastic Mm. flow and they just could never find him. Yeah. There's most of the I know. And what's crazy is I'm pretty sure that has to do with it hitting the river. Oh um, because he was fishing. And they've never been able to recover his body. Yeah, that's probably the lahar. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so such a fun word. (laughs) So the explosion itself could be heard hundreds of miles away, but weirdly enough, there was this kind of quiet zone in the area close to the volcano where the eruption was either really quiet or barely heard, barely heard at all. So if you were super close to the volcano, it was like just exploding and you couldn't hear it. But if you were hundreds of miles away, you could hear like a boom. I mean, isn't Isn't that that what they say about like, like the atom bomb? Yeah. Like. Yeah. That, like, the I guess it has something it was... to do with, like, sound physics. Yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know. I was just... That would be so, like, surreal to see. Like, just see a volcano explode. I but, like, can't not, imagine. like, connect. Like, your audio doesn't match that up with what you're weird. seeing. That would be weird. Yeah. So, mud flows, pyroclastic flows, and floods destroy thousands of areas of the surrounding forest, parks, uh, roads, bridges, homes, etc. Uh... At the same time that, you know, all of this destruction is happening on the ground, a 12-mile-high mushroom cloud of volcanic ash is formed over the mountain that had lightning in it, was lightninging. Yeah, the which friction is crazy. from the, yeah. yeah. Friction and heat and all of that stuff. And this was raining ash down in the entire Pacific Northwest region, basically. Mm. The volcano continued to spew ash um, at this kind of really sustained velocity until about uh, late afternoon so like 5 30 that um that day and then it kind of lessened but it was still producing ash by the next day all in all uh, excuse me around 520 million tons of ash was launched into the atmosphere with the clash the, the ash cloud itself traveling so it just stayed in a cloud and just traveled upwards of 22,000 miles and circled the globe for two weeks until it finally all I've fell heard, to the ground yeah. yeah i've heard that like the worst explosions like you can find records of the ash from it like yeah. all over the world i know for a fact that um 
my like I I think my mom has told me like oh yeah you could we got the ash from that like in Texas in I think we did yeah. yeah um which like doesn't surprise me so that was the explosion so now we're going into the aftermath so Mount St. Helens was a five on the VEI scale which is the volcanic explosivity index uh the highest is a seven I looked up what they thought Vesuvius would be, and it said a five, but I'm going to say it's probably like a six. I think it was higher. That's, it, I wonder if there has been a seven. I think there has been. It's probably like the dinosaur I think, era. No, like, I think that the one I mentioned, the Tambora, was at least close to a seven. Again, I'm going to start Googling. Yeah, you should Google. <laughs> we, um, we rely heavily on, again, on the I go didn't, notes. I didn't do my notes on Mount Tambora. I did it on Mount St. Helens, so why would I know that information? There you go. <laughs> So the eruption, as we know, decimated surrounding ecosystems. It destroyed roughly 10 million trees. Um, it caused the, remember the whole top blew off. So it caused Mount St. Helens to lose more than 1,700 feet in elevation. Uh, so almost 2,000 feet in elevation. Uh, it killed thousands of animals and supposedly millions of fish. Hundreds of homes and other buildings were lost. About 185 miles of road and 15 miles of railway were all ruined. The ash grounded airplanes, clogged filters, pumps, and electric equipment, and caused widespread power outages. Millions of dollars were spent on cleaning up the ash that had fallen worldwide. In the end, uh, confirmed 57 people passed from the explosion, and this does include volcanologist David Johnston. Sometimes people estimate the death toll to be higher, but there's really no way of knowing because of that pyroclastic flow, and mm-hmm. we just will never find those bodies. Um, well, and it's like, it's it's rough, too, because you can't just say, like, the volcano eruption itself did this damage, because mm-hmm. you can choke on the gas. You can be buried yeah. in a house that's covered yeah. by Or if you're near water, yeah. the tsunami can kill thousands of people yeah. if it, you yeah. know, if it triggers that. So, mm-hmm. like... It's not always, like, a cut and dry who died yeah. from what in this situation. Yeah, exactly. I, isn't that one of the other most deadly volcanoes in history caused a tsunami that oh, killed more people than, like, the original blast or something? Again. I don't know. Googling. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So. Actually, I just found it. Krakatoa. Krakatoa. Yeah. It looks like more people died by the tsunami generated by yeah. it than the actual. Yeah. 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 That was a good time. No, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of, as we've talked about, earthquakes and volcanoes kind of happen because the earth is moving. Yeah. Which um, is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so throughout the rest of the summer and into the fall of 1980, there is a series of five smaller explosion, explosions as the mountain kind of continued to settle down. Um, and eventually it did kind of calm down by the end of the year. In uh, 1982, uh, Congress establishes the mountain and the surrounding 100,010 acres to be a national monument. The National Forest Service has since returned and planted around 10 million trees to replace those that were lost. Uh, life has come back to the areas, but visitors are still able to go and see unique lava formations and other phenomena that was kind of the result of the volcano. Uh, and it's still kind of active. The volcano continued to have minor eruptions that brought lava to the surface as late as 2013. So lava is still coming to the surface. Like it's in that kind of eruption basin that it has now. There's still lava showing up there every now and then. And they Ooh. tracked it as late as 2013, which is crazy. Uh, so like as late as 2018, earthquakes have still been detected around the mountain, which is a pretty good indication that she's still pretty active. Um so yeah so that was really mount st helens uh 
crazy. I'm getting freaked out Googling this. Like, you did such a good job, but now you've sent me on a Google <laughs> wormhole. And it's talking about um, about Mount Tambora. Yeah. And, like, it's talking about how the since it was so close to the equator when it erupted that the ash yep. caused the year without summer. Uh-huh. Caused starvation of almost a million mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. A new strain of cholera got released. Okay, well, don't don't like, spoil the next episode. We're gonna do sorry, on this. Sorry, you cat. know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> Write it down. Mount Tambora. Oh, it's already on my list. Okay. Yeah. But like, dang, like, yeah. You think of them as like localized almost, yeah. and you know the ash cloud can be big, but like you don't. Yeah. I don't think at least about like what if it's near the equator, and what if yeah. the equator allows it to spread to the poles, mm-hmm. and then it caught like. Well, yeah, because I when I when I was looking at Mount Saint Helens, that one like it came up, and I was like, oh, should I do this one? And then I like consciously was like, no, I want to do one that's modern because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times we have this perception of, oh, we don't have to deal with volcanoes anymore. Like those are in we history. Do. Like no, like they're still very much like kind of have a warning system but not really yeah like we have better like recognition recognition in place and like researchers are able to kind of more accurately predict now if Mm -hmm. it'll erupt than ever before so like we're safer than we were before we're not safe but like they're still gonna blow up like yeah (laughs) there's always the threat so while mount st helens is the most active volcano of the cascades it's not the biggest Mount Rainier, Mount Rainier is the biggest, and Mount Rainier is a national park, which means there's a lot, yeah, of, there's people a lot of people there that live in and around Mount Rainier, like hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions. Like I know it to be a populated area. Like that's yeah. why I know it, not because yeah. it's a mountain, but because yeah. I know people who live and in like, that area. And like honestly, I just went to Rocky Mountain National Park, and like that little town by the entrance of it is booming because it's you know tourists yeah. and people are there to go see the mountains and like. I can't imagine the same thing wouldn't be happening there too. So like people are living there. Um, the guy. It's like people living under Pom- Vesuvius again. Yeah. And the guy on the, po- on the podcast I listened to, he was like, he like literally wrote a book about Mount St. Helens. And he knows that Mount Rainier is a threat. And he's like, oh, I can see it out my window. Like yeah. <laughs> he's like. It's casual. Yeah. He's like, it's just one of those things, you know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Um, imagine that confidence. Yeah. So they're kind of, Mount Rainier is not showing activity it's not gonna be anytime soon but they're kind of waiting for that one to Mm. erupt too they're and when that one erupts it's gonna be pretty big because mount rainier is bigger than mount st helens by like a lot yeah well like i remember looking at pictures of like mount st helens and like looking at the before and after photos where you can see if you look at before and after Mm -hmm. photos it's so easy to see that like the entire side of the mountain is gone yeah like there's one I found, it was like a, it was a after picture, but they had like drawn on the original yeah. top and it's like crazy because it's like all these like features and stuff. It's like half the mountain's you know, gone. I know. Yeah. Like it's And it's crazy. like, if I think about Mount Rainier, like losing yeah. half of its mass, you're like, I know. What? Shit, that's a big ass mountain. <laughs> it is a big mountain. Oh my gosh. So, uh, but, but, but since 1980, around... 2,500 people have died in eruption and volcano-related activity worldwide. Um, my stomach just made a really loud noise. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, there are currently around 1,500 potentially active volcanoes, Jeez. with around 50 to 60 showing some sort of activity each year. 169 of those 1,500 potentially active volcanoes are in the United States. And what? there has been around... yep. There, I don't even know what... I, I was I'm like, like, do we have more than five? I, know. In the US? I was like, what's... 
where are all these volcanoes? What? It's like, what's happening? It's, it's probably like the Yellowstone one. It's I probably, mean, yeah, it's probably have, like, like Alaska. Hot, yeah. But like still, that's crazy. Um, there have been around 60 notable volcanic eruptions since 1980. And uh, yeah, so. I think there was one last year. There's like usually there's like at least one a year I want to say yeah um very rarely does it like chart on that VEI scale because usually they're like a one or a two mm-hmm. and um like and when I say notable I mean like three or above yeah. on that VEI scale but there's like a handful of one or twos just because there was like a lot of ash and it like grounded mm-hmm. planes or stuff like that so like yeah so there's notable ones but there's a lot of like very small ones which is why I think we have so many people dying from since 1980 yeah just because there's so many small things that are happening I think there's a, le- a layer two of like does your country have the emergency preparedness yeah. techniques or like what kind of yeah. income housing do you have on exactly. that area? Like, or you are you there? like, you know, are you policing who's going up to the top of the active volcano? Like, yeah. yeah. Are you letting people, are you perform? letting like dumb 14 yeah. year olds go up there and oh, look at the lava? I'm going to lean over the edge. <laughs> Um, Which I feel like I shouldn't joke about because I think that happened like a couple years ago in Hawaii. Like someone. Oh, rip. Somewhere. Sorry. Maybe it wasn't Hawaii. I don't know. I feel like I read a story about someone I mean, like, I, leaning I, over the edge someone of a volcano. Has, someone for has a definitely died from that. Yeah. Not to be disrespectful, but like if you're going to lean over the edge of an active volcano, you can't, you kind of, kind of accept the risk. <laughs> I just think, I keep thinking about Lord of the Rings. Oh my God. Like, it's the old door. <laughs> Run to the fire. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so as I've said before, volcanoes tend to have this perception of being in the past or something that Americans don't have to deal with. But guess what? We do. And the Earth is still moving around. Yeah. And uh, experts Tangia say that... is not over, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are like, no, she's going to blow again. She's going to erupt again. It probably won't be as dramatic because it doesn't have that total peak to just... Kaboom. To vaporize slide it, into yeah. everything. So, like, but she'll erupt again, Mount St. Helen. She's not done. What was and the we'll heal from her again. Her? The total? 57. 50. Yeah. That's no. nowhere near as bad yeah. as, like, no. 16,000. Yeah, like... exactly. Well, because, you know, Pompeii was a populated area, and they didn't have right. these warning systems. They had place. a warning. They just didn't acknowledge it. <laughs> They're like, eh, whatever. We're Greek. <laughs> no, I'm bad, bitch. You can't kill me. Yeah. That's probably just Zeus or someone pissed off. He'll get over it. <laughs> I think, isn't Vulcanus, like, the name I have no of idea. the god of, like, fire and fury who used to make, like... In... I don't know. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Mountain Helens is not a very populated area, so... But Mount Rainier is. But Mount Rainier is, so that'll be interesting when that happens. Um, It's interesting, too, like, countries who can, like, afford to build not near a volcano versus, like, countries whose population is growing so fast that they can't help but live in the vicinity of some of these dangerous areas or, like, Mm -hmm. people who live close to the coast. You know, we don't have to worry about tsunamis in Galveston because we don't... We are not near a fault. Yeah. But, like, other countries, there are, like, vacation resorts and yeah. stuff near Well, it's, like, areas. the whole city of Seattle, it wasn't until, like, 1980 that they could even, they even figured out, like, hey, mm-hmm. really bad earthquakes can happen up here, too. So, yeah. most of the infrastructure in the Pacific Northwest is not built to withstand earthquakes like that. So, they're just afraid that they're going to get hit, like, a by an eight or nine magnitude earthquake. I and just they're just waiting to... Yeah, they're literally just waiting. So, none of the, like, the engineering of the architecture yeah. isn't withstanding yeah 
Because, you know, in California, everything's been, everything has been knocked down and they rebuilt with, like, right. stuff that with, can like, be. like, forensic. Yeah, um, that yeah. can be, like, withstand those high earthquakes. But That's what my no- dad wanted to do originally. Nothing. That would be really cool. To be a forensic engineer. You, like, yeah. to analyze old buildings and stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's, like, terrifying if you look at pictures of earthquakes where, like, the bridges, because mm-hmm. of the motion and how they can, like. What freaks me out is the really tall buildings, like, swinging around. That's the bridges me out. for me. The, like, there are buildings that, like, in the wind, I think it's like Burj Khalifa is designed to move. Like, yeah. skyscraper mm-hmm. is the reason that some of the ones in the 20s don't make it is because they were yeah. meant to be stasis. They're meant uh-huh. to be stationary and not move in the uh-huh. wind. Modern ones account for that. And, like, there are people with crazy expensive penthouses who will yeah. post, like, videos on their social media of their building moving. You can see their bathtubs, Just, like, sloshing around. And I I'm think like, that's so much. I would die. But it's yeah. designed like that to uh-huh. absorb impact yeah. as it moves. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you see bridges, they're the right, like, the frequency of movement and stuff will make bridges move, like, as a wave. Yeah. And it's like, Aah! Yeah. No, the building no! one freaks me more out. I don't know. I don't like bridges in general. Like, I, I don't, I don't like bridges. I like bridges. them in Texas where they don't move and they're stationary. I like very still, not, no one's going nowhere bridges. <laughs> well, when I was st- in high school, I f- we felt a small earthquake in Dallas from yeah. Oklahoma because they were uh-huh. cracking. cracking. I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. I remember, like laying in my bed and it's texas you don't worry about earthquakes you worry about tornadoes and literally i remember like my i was in bunk beds and my bunk bed above me started moving and i was like i'm gonna get out from underneath yeah. this and like it wasn't bad enough to actually like be concerned but it was never i was like i felt movement and i went yeah. downstairs and i was like dad did we just have an earthquake in texas and he was like dad you've lived what? in california <laughs> uh, there was an earthquake when they, they were pregnant with my sister mm-hmm. there and i think there was one when they were pregnant with me but then yeah. the great california hill fire and then they lost everything and then they moved back to texas Whoops. yeah well what's really funny is one night my dad was laying on the couch downstairs and he was like asleep and my dog uh started scratching him his like ear or something but he was like leaned up against the couch oh yeah so it was like vibrating the couch. My dad wakes up. He goes, earthquake. <laughs> In Houston, Texas. Yes. So this is my only experience with earthquakes. Um, yeah. But yeah. So crazy stuff. And I, you know, volcanoes seem like this ancient problem, but they're very they're real. Very and real. I think that's like why it's such a, it's like so hard to get your head around that concept. Cause you're like, yeah, no, this is an active threat. Like, yeah. This could happen any day. <laughs> like, you will have to evacuate your home, and then you will lose the home. Mm-hmm. Like, you, in very... Yeah. Which, I, to me, is a foreign concept, other yeah. than tornadoes, in which mm-hmm. usually you can recover some of your, like, yeah. belongings. Yeah. But, like, and I'm sure you've felt that with hurricanes, too, yeah. about flooding. Well, hurricanes, like, don't... Yeah, it's just flooding. It's more the flooding. And yeah, you like, can your house s- is still there. It's just, you gotta replace your drywall. Yeah. You know? And then I think about the fact that my dad, like actually had that happen he was mm-hmm. living in a basement during his yeah. while he was getting his doctorate at berkeley mm-hmm. my mom wasn't there he was living in a basement and they came around and they're like you have to evacuate now and he helped the lady he was he was living with who was like letting yeah. him rent out the basement he helped her he helped her load the car mm-hmm. he grabbed the few i mean not few they had stuff from they just gotten married so like yeah he had some of their like wedding presents and stuff downstairs in the basement with him he didn't think to grab him he grabbed yeah what was most important. Like, cause I mean, you're like evacuating. And yeah. He came back and it was all gone. Yeah. That's crazy. like, and I can't imagine that actually happening. I know. He, he said that he coped by creating a playlist with songs like burning down the house from talking heads and we didn't start the fire. <laughs> what else can you do? Honestly? And that was his coping mechanism. <laughs> hey, you got to find a way, right? But yeah, <sighs> like that's such a foreign concept to me to like, 
yeah. lose everything. And it's not just natural disasters. Like, people in war-torn countries constantly mm-hmm. deal with that. And, like, I know that's a luxury of my lifestyle and the opportunities I've had to not have to worry about losing everything yeah. I have. But, yeah. like, man, that's just so incomprehensible to me. I know. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Anyway, well, this has been our episode on another themed episode on mountains. On the big boom booms. Mid- mishaps on the mountain. It is two. another <laughs> mishap on the volcanic mountains. Apparently we're both like really into mountains. <laughs> okay, we well, we talked about doing themed episodes for like great fires. You know, there's always yeah. like the London Bridge oh, yeah. fire, the Chicago fire, the New York fire, California fire. This won't fire. be our only theme that we ever <laughs> Yeah. So if you're ever like, wow, this would be a cool theme or some weird if natural disaster. If something happens in history more than once, it is up for a themed episode. Yeah. Shoot us an email. Tweet at us. Um, Tweet at us. At T-I-N-A-H-L podcast. And email us if it's you just got a really long list and you need to share it with us. And that's going to be this is not a history lecture at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Um, if you want to leave us a review on please. whatever platform you're streaming from, specifically we would love that. Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so quick and easy. That helps us out so much. And let me tell mm-hmm. y'all, we love you. We appreciate you. But man, our views have been stagnating. Yeah. Well, we, we need to get some momentum under our feet. <laughs> if you like us, we would really appreciate the help. Of... If you don't think our your mother would be hor- horrified with our talk of sexual history, recommend it to some friends or family. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our poor friend keeps keeps accidentally <laughs> playing the podcast when we talk about sex when her mom's in the car. <laughs> just, Apparently, she was uh, she she told us that she got into the car and randomly Kaylee just said sex boats. And yeah. that was the first introduction yeah. her mom had to our podcast. Listen, or you know, my mom hears everything I say. So, at a certain yeah. point you just got to get over it. But anyway, but yeah, so tell people to check All us of out, that is leave to us say, every review on Apple Podcast makes one mother a little less freaked out by sex. Um. <laughs> That's a good one, Kaylee. That was a good one today. Okay. I'm really working hard to come up with this. That was so, a good one. Yeah. yeah. But let us know how we're doing. or Let us know how your day was. We would us. love to hear. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Send us an email. We want to hear from you guys. Leave us a review. This is another reminder that this has not been a history lecture. Lecture. Goodbye. Bye.